I have to press the got it. There we go. You have to press the got it? The the um when you start recording, a message pops up and it basically fills the entire screen with huh. the disclaimer of somebody is now recording and you have to agree to that to continue on with the call. Mm-hmm. And like it, it fills basically the whole screen. You know, when you say there's a got it, it sounds a lot like you're saying there's some sort of goblin audit you know some sort of goblin audit now i'm not saying today's episode is exactly going to be a goblin audit uh but uh you know it could be well matron welcome to episode uh 29 of monstrology Ooh, um, 29 yeah feeling kinda... fine 29 and feeling fine <laughs> all right yeah, yeah. um yeah, let's I don't now I'm thinking about I don't really want to celebrate the episode in which it turns my age, but we're kind of gearing up to that. So maybe we'll have birthday episodes. Um wait, so like the we celebrate the episode that corresponds with the age that you are going to turn near that birthday? Uh sure. I don't know if ours will line up. Uh no. Oh, maybe mine will. Well close-ish. Well, this is no, been... no, because my birthday's in April. We'll be past my number. Oh no! Wait. Oh God! You're asking me to do math. I can't do this now. Well, good, good thing. That's uh... not what this podcast is about, Will. This is about monsters, not. <laughs> is it not? Well, I'm glad to see the, the that we've already on... gotten our um, tangents in right away before we even <laughs> got into the theme song. <laughs> now we that got that out of the way. That means it's going to be all business um, from here on in. <laughs> Um, the one actual question I had prepared to ask you in this introduction, Madrin, is when is the last time, uh, something got into your technology and, um, made it all wonky and strange? Uh, this actually happened to me last night. I was trying to print something Mm -hmm. and, oh dear God, like the web pages wouldn't load. I couldn't Mm -hmm. get my computer to talk to Mm -hmm. the printer and I was just, you know, I was doing that thing where it's like, the driver is installed, but the driver, why are you telling me? And like, oh, it took forever. It took forever. It took like half an hour to print two pages. It was mm. driving me crazy. Yikes. Um, oh. Yeah. I was just having troubles with my smart TV, just playing things on Netflix. My remote has stopped working properly. I was thinking back to a while ago, I had old studio monitors and for whatever reason, the glue that held the pieces together, like corroded or dripped or something and like oh got all into the rest of the other parts of the monitors and then i had to get new ones anyway sometimes there's oh these yeah things. and then another thing too my sister gave me her spin bike it's on an extended loan mm-hmm. uh, and it has a digital readout on the front of it so mm-hmm. there's a sensor that's near where the pedals are and then there's a digital readout that tells you like your speed and all of that, right? And the two of them are supposed to talk to each other. So I changed the batteries in both the sensor and the digital readout. And I was like, oh yeah, brand new batteries. I synced, like I have the manual. I synced it up and I did this whole thing. And then from then on, the digital readout never turned off. Oh. And it just kept flashing random numbers oh, as good. though, but like, I wouldn't have, I, I would have gone two days without touching the bike and it would, the thing would still be on. It was still just, kind of, it was almost like it was trying to cycle through these things. So of course it went and it killed the battery within like a week because the thing would never turn off. And I was like, I have followed the instructions on this manual twice. Like I thought, oh, maybe I messed up syncing the sensor with the digital readout, but no, I did like 
Yeah. So yeah. So once again, I'm sitting there like the bit I can use the bike. It's still usable, like the mm-hmm. mechanical part of it, but the digital part of it is like, I, I it's just a blank screen now because mm-hmm. it killed the battery. Yep. Sometimes this happens. Sometimes, uh, you know, the machinery just goes a little bit awry. Um, sometimes people, you know, say there's a ghost in the machine or, you know, there's, there's something going wrong. Uh, but in today's circumstance, we are going to be investigating when that thing is a gremlin. And this time it's all business. All There's business, no, no tangent. No, no gaudits uh, here. No goblin audits, only gremlins. Um, so gremlins, what are Straight they? Straight to business. <laughs> Straight to business, all business. <laughs> so far, I've only provided banter. Okay. Um, a gremlin is a mythological creature similar to a fairy or a goblin. Um, but they specifically have their origin around the world wars. I would say more so the first world war than the second world war. Uh, And they were said to cause havoc on an aircraft. Essentially, they would um, find their way into a plane. Sometimes they would be messing with the motors. Sometimes they would be cutting cables. Um, And sometimes it wasn't even specifically a plane, but most of it has to do with aviation. I'd say that's the most common thing that they attacked during that period of time. Um, but they would basically uh, destroy uh, technology from the inside. And then the pilots would say, I don't know what's going on. There's like a gremlin in the plane. Um, or I don't know what's happening with this tank. Uh, the gremlin made me do it. And in Yeah, like times- I, saw, I saw depictions of gremlins where they were uh, like there was a, a common theme of them carrying around little pairs of scissors so that they mm-hmm. could snip wires and snip mm-hmm. connections and things like that, like in a very mischievous with a kind of malevolent bend mm-hmm. to it. Because like if you're cutting mechanical stuff out of an airplane, there's a really good chance that you're going to make that plane crash and kill somebody. Mm-hmm. I found it an interesting idea as well uh, that, Somebody said that gremlins showed humanity how to create technology and and machinery. And they led uh, humanity to like a real boom of machinery and that humans forgot about them. And part of the reason that they have this like mischievous nature to destroy is they're kind of reminding uh, humans like, hey, we gave you this and you forgot about it. Well, then you don't deserve it. And they're basically taking away our toys. Um, See, always cite your resources. Recognition. Yeah, always cite your resources. Always mm-hmm. give credit where credit is due. And that makes sense to me, right? Because humanity had a huge industrial rev, like we refer to it as the industrial revolution in mm-hmm. the early 1900s, right? But then sightings of these gremlins and reports of these gremlins start to happen in the early 1920s, like, mm-hmm. you know, late teens, early 20s. So, yeah, right? Like that gives about a 10 to 15 year span of gremlins being like, okay, like, 
where are my flowers? Like, where's my dew? Mm-hmm. And humanity just did not acknowledge them. And then they started to get, they started, you know, you gotta, you gotta respect where respect is due. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's really hard to pin down a specific start to where this idea came from. The origin of the word is kind of disputed, but I had um, two kind of words that it seems to have come from, which is uh, grem or gremian. Uh, which means to vex or annoy. It's an old um, English word, um, which makes a lot of sense. And uh, there's definitely some crossover with with goblins in terms of like their appearance. But even um, I also found um, that there is a uh, beer. It was the most common beer that was available in the Royal Air Force, and it was called Fremlin the Fremlin beer. And so some mm-hmm. people think that it could have been a combination of the word goblin and Fremlin and just turned into gremlin. And just because it was available um, or it started basically as like, a, I guess an oral tradition, right? Of people just telling each other this word uh, on, you know, an air force base or whatever, or it, it just, um, it was also sometimes used as an excuse like if somebody made a mistake, they would just blame it on the gremlin and say that it wasn't their fault. Like I, I imagine it was kind of a running joke as well. Um, well, that happens at my house all the time. Like, oh, hey, I put this thing here. Where is it? Well, I don't know. Well, if I didn't move it, you must have. No, I didn't move it. Must have been gremlins. You know, oh, yeah? stuff like that happens at my house before? all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Or like, you know, like an unexplained thing that happens in your house. And usually it's about objects or like small failures things like Mm -hmm. that like oh i thought i oh i could have sworn that i started the dishwasher but it hasn't Mm -hmm. been run oh must been gremlins Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah i feel like i usually blame that on ghosts but maybe i should start blaming it on gremlins maybe ghosts are getting a bad reputation i think the difference is at our house ghosts or poltergeists move objects from place to place but Mm -hmm. you notice that Mm-hmm. gremlins is like hey why didn't this thing work the way it was supposed to oh well gremlins mm. why is this unplugged or how did this uh wire get yeah right there? or like oh how is this wire frayed or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah i i also um just think it's interesting there's also a possible precursor that takes us even earlier um which uh, it takes us back to sea goblins. Um, now, the crossover here is that um, much like a plane that had a crew that was being um, attacked by gremlins who were messing with um, the machinery, um, people used to say in kind of like nautical folklore that a, a goblin would set up shop on a ship and it would start tangling ropes, uh, scaring seamen and stealing all of their stuff. Um, of course, uh, like that is of the sea, but I like that uh, it did basically the same thing. And also um, the sailors would use sea goblins as a scapegoat for the problems as well. So the dynamic seems similar in terms of the way that they would talk about it and in terms of the fact that it would um, basically be a nuisance to an entire crew. And if we're thinking about, you know, uh, people who may have been in the Navy before they, you know, started uh, working with planes, it seems like a, um, some dots that we can follow there for sure as well. Um, yeah. And w- in that, too, I read over and over and over again that 
instead of everybody being incredibly angry about these gremlins sabotaging their planes, it actually helped to boost morale in the military mm-hmm. because then it wasn't like you could, it's not that it was like a pilot would blame the mechanic. It was that right. they could both mutually blame these gremlins, right? And they're and it built a, a sense of camaraderie of like, oh, gremlins got my plane. Oh, gremlins got my plane last week too. Oh, let, mm-hmm. let's bond over these gremlins attacking our planes, right? Um, even to the fact of like, Apparently, there was some kind of research that was done on the opposing sides, of, and they would make the you know similar claims too. They they like the Germans would make similar claims of like of um, mechanical failure caused mm-hmm. by these little creatures, and so it was kind of a like you know this very common bond of the, of these military service members who are in these really terrible, horrible, violent life or death situations all the Mm -hmm. time, at least had a little bit of an outlet for that release, for that blame. And it Mm -hmm. actually helped to bring them together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny that there was definitely evidence of these gremlins having origins in different places. Like there was one that was very much like, it is a US uh, tradition, the gremlin. There's another that's like, it's very much specifically from the British Air Force. And you're saying, you know, it could have been German as well. Like, um, Madrin, as you often do, do you have some gremlins from uh, around the world? Because I could find uh, maybe three or four locations um, that had tie-ins for gremlins. Yeah, I had a couple that, again, it wasn't like, oh, this is absolutely definitely this culture or this country's gremlin, but certainly lots of overlap. So um, in Zulu mythology in parts of Africa, the Tikalashi is a mischievous, evil spirit. What I thought was interesting is that it could become invisible by drinking water or swallowing a pebble. Hmm. So, of course, that would make it very easy to get into your house and start causing trouble for people, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, uh, it, at its most harmless, it was just kind of used as a, as a scare tactic to make children behave. But sometimes the tikalashi was powerful enough that it could actually cause significant illness or even death of somebody. Mm-hmm. And then um more religious aspect comes into it is that the creature could only really be banished by a pastor Mm -hmm. who has this power to expel it from the area that it is terrorizing. So for the Tikalashi, just just for clarity's sake, you're saying that you're not supposed to feed it, uh, for example, a stone, and uh, you're not supposed to uh, get it wet or keep it around water either? Well, then it would become invisible, and then it would be much harder for it to, uh, well, for you to be able to see it and, of course, uh, banish it out of your home hmm. you know it's just yeah yeah uh and then i found another one called the dokebi mm-hmm. which is from korean mythology and folklore okay um that one has kind of a varying more vague thing to it um the overlap there though with the tokoloshi is that it uh can possess the dokebi can possess magical items like the gamtu mm-hmm. uh which is a hat that gives him the ability to be invisible okay and they also have a bangmangi which is uh like a magic club that mm-hmm. can summon things and basically essentially acts like a magic wand okay well it makes sense that a uh, gremlin... but and then there but and then there's always there's always the overlap of doing rather mischievous with a slightly malevolent bend thing to play pranks on people um Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and and basically just like interrupt people's lives and make their lives a little bit harder. Uh, what I thought was really funny though is that the Dokebi, uh was very fond of challenging travelers to wrestling matches. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so apparently they were extremely skilled wrestlers and the only way that they could be beaten unless uh the only way that they could be beaten was if you exploited their right side. Mm. Uh, and then in some versions of it they only have one leg. So oh. if you could sweep the leg out from under them then you could beat them. Yeah, which I thought was yeah, it was funny. It, it makes sense to me that they would have some sort of magic hat or power of invisibility cuz that's always the frustrating thing with the gremlin is you know, you see them and then they're gone. Like they, they pop up very quickly and you're, it, they're extremely difficult to get rid of. Like they're in your- And they seem to uh, need machinery. to be able to get, yeah. And they seem to need to be able to get into small spaces or mm-hmm. spaces that have a lot of equipment or machinery or, or important pieces, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can see a creature- getting into the hatch of your plane and like messing around with the engine then mm-hmm. you know it's you're far more likely to be able to get it out of there and stop it right but if they have the power and visibility what do you do you can't you can't deal with a creature you can't see mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting like talking about the physical descriptions of gremlins maybe we can get into that a little bit because you've kind mm-hmm. of talked about their different um appearances one leg or hats or you know whatever um, magic clubs I, yeah magic clubs i found like quite a few different uh, descriptions so in one they're kind of uh little humanoid elves um wearing red or green double-breasted frock coats uh hats with feathers and pointy shoes um they can range in color between green gold pink red um other uh, descriptions have gremlins as more of like a sinister monster um they look feral they have hairy bod- hairy bodies and pointy ears and like glowing red eyes and horns um most reports uh within this kind of world have gremlins um having like a gray skin uh there's some that make them seem almost like more uh scaly or reptilian um they pretty much always have sharp teeth and a relatively big mouth for their face, you know, like they they have a you always kind of imagine that big toothy grin, I would say, in a gremlin. Uh, right. Would yeah. be a feature. Big wide yeah. joker like smiles. And, and it yes. makes it kind of sinister. Um uh there's also some like these seem to me uh less common, but there's some evidence that gremlins look like uh jackrabbits or bull terriers. Um there's some that move through mist and smoke, I guess almost like a vampire you could transform into mist um there there's some that even have them possessing like merfolk features like webbed hands and feet and fins and that seems to me kind of maybe tied into the sea goblin um origins that we have of it being kind of like a water monster um they uh and i've seen uh, this i would say i've seen is more common although it's not the way that we imagine them to be probably in most forms of pop culture uh they have bat wings so some of them seem to be more uh, flight capable, which makes sense if they were supposed to get into a plane that they would also be able to fly without uh, hurting themselves. Um, and they range in terms of size. So they could be, most of them are like small. They can be as small as six inches, but as tall as you know three or four feet. They're not quite as tall as a human, but they could be pretty big. And I, I find it interesting there's such a range there. Um, yeah, they got big feet, 
Um, there's some versions that say that they have little suction cups. I almost imagine like Spider-Man being able to go <laughs> on the side of a wall. Um, yeah, and even like leather <laughs> shoes and stuff like that. Like it, they they range between. I think they've got the military tie-in, I suppose, when they're more humanoid, uh, humanoid, and when they're kind of monstery, they seem somewhere between a goblin and a bat. And then you get all of this kind of, I guess, selective mashups between those. Um, yeah, but I think a lot of people, their definition of understanding what a gremlin would look like is all about like their first exposure to what a gremlin um, would be. Like if they read it in a book or saw it in a movie, um, that has kind of like colored their opinion. And I know I definitely had an idea of what they looked like. It, wasn't a human or a bat uh so uh, i found it interesting to see that that's actually where the origin came from yeah when i think of gremlins i think of like pretty smallish like maybe about two feet really gray green leathery skin very mm -hmm. wide pointy ears uh very long claw like mm -hmm. hands that why like you said that like that really wide toothy grin with mm -hmm. like really pointed teeth that's the idea that i have when I, think I also imagine a lot of giggling i don't know they just because they're mischievous and they're <laughs> well because they're so mischievous right yeah. like yeah yeah but definitely like that i think my description of them is how they are most commonly depicted in pop culture so of course that would give me such a huge influence as to how it is that i think of them mm -hmm. yeah like i don't really think of them in human clothes you know what i mean like we, we've seen no. we've heard of so many depictions of them having hats or like you were saying about these pointed toe shoes and i mm -hmm. i never really think of them that way no it's it yeah but it's it's funny to see the way that there's certain things that have kind of cemented our understanding of what they are um i guess the last thing i'd like to just touch base on when we're thinking about like the history and and what a gremlin is before we dive into pop culture is just some of their abilities um, so I like what I found their number one ability is sabotage. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're highly capable saboteurs. Um, they have advanced. That makes them sound like sexy French spies. Well, I, they are, I guess, in a way, uh, an army oh, of tiny, sexy French spies. We'll add that to a variant. I don't think I've ever equated gremlins and sexy. I know, but you, you did it and I ran with it. Uh, well, um, and here we go. Yeah, this will now become the new recurring theme in our show. Sexy French spies, imagine. Sexy French spies. Yeah, yeah. why not? Um, they also have uh, machinery expertise and craftsmanship. The idea that they're really capable. well, naturally, if they're the ones who gave humanity the ability to make these industrial things, they must mm -hmm. be very good. And at... they also seem to be able to like take it apart and put it back together quite easily. So that makes sense that they yeah. would be aware of um how you know a plane which is a difficult uh feat of engineering how that works um they're proficient with tools uh their small size enables them to be quite elusive um whether they have you know uh disappearing ability or not they seem to be like kind of fast and shifty um some of them have a form of uh telepathy i would say that is more rare hmm. um, but i did see that that would be there um and the last is just the, you know, the basic stuff that they would do is just their, it goes back to their craftsmanship that they can cut wires and take apart motors and they would be able to do it like while a plane is active. Like the idea that it's not just like a grounded, you know, feat of engineering to take it apart. It's like 
while this motor is moving, uh, you know, or the propeller or whatever, like they could take it apart uh, mid flight, which I think is uh, an ability for sure. Um, yeah. So I think we've got a pretty good overview of uh, gremlins and their kind of um, uh, warlike attributes. Um, Small, else? mischievous, mechanical minded, like to mess with people and their stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's out of a sense of uh, revenge because we did not credit them with mm -hmm. teaching us all of these mechanical wonders that we now know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also, I think um, gremlins are also quite adaptive too, right? Because mm -hmm. if we've been hearing about them since about the 20s, mm -hmm. clearly things like computers did not exist back then. But dollars, you know, they are, they are definitely, they can influence modern technology as well too mm -hmm. i'm always convinced there's a gremlin in my computer you were saying there's one in your smart tv mm -hmm. so clearly sure. they are capable of learning new technological and mechanical well and i, I well. think they may have known you know i my my smart tv was fine up until a couple you know maybe about a week ago when i started to oh so maybe there's what, where that telepathy know. comes in they it's know like they knew we were going to be talking about them yeah and then they started to get to get in there and i have a suspicious feeling that you know in a couple of days after this is out my technology is going to go back to normal so uh, let's just safely assume that it's the gremlins and you know what maybe yeah. we'll be able to find out later and ask our, our guest if they've been surveilling me um it wouldn't be the first time that a monster has surveilled me and altered my life nope. uh, in a severe significantly yeah <laughs> all right uh well let's take a break and when we get back we're going to dig into some pop culture Well, we held off uh, from this during history because it isn't quite history, um, but I would say it isn't quite pop culture either. Um, Roald Dahl, great uh, writer, poet, uh, storyteller of British acclaim, um, wrote uh, a, a book called The Gremlins. Um, it was his very first children's novel, and it really is one of the things, and we can follow this thread, I think, pretty cleanly to what we imagine uh, Gremlins to be. Roald Dahl um, had his own experience. He was um, a part of the Air Force, and he had an accidental crash landing in the Western Desert when he ran out of fuel. Um, so he has a very specific understanding of airplanes malfunctioning. And um, I think that he would be aware that people would say that there's a gremlin in the machine, that it would be a part of their kind of um, you know, verbal jokes or storytelling at the time. Um, and uh, in 1942, he was transferred to Washington as um, uh, some sort of assistant uh, for the Air Force in uh, the British Embassy. And uh, that's where he wrote this book, The Gremlins, um, in which the gremlins were tiny men who lived in Air Force uh, fighter planes. And um, he called the wives of gremlins fifinellas. Uh, he called their male children widgets and their female children flibberty gibbets. Um, so there's a name. That is such every, a great word. Every type of... Flibberty gibbets. Uh, flibberty gibbets is uh, the, the girl uh gremlins and little boy gremlins are widgets and the fifanellas are, are the wives and i guess just the 
boy men are the gremlins i don't are just they, gremlins, <laughs> yeah. just gremlins. Yeah. um but anyway it is a like it was a very good book but it suffered from being created at a time um when they didn't like, there was a paper shortage so it yeah, sold really well too. circumstantially <laughs> but there was a barrier for how much they could sell because it was the war and they couldn't just print as much as they liked um, but the book did print quite well. And he kept, I, I heard about 50 copies just to hand out personally to pitch for it to be elevated to something else. And um, it was released by Disney and they got, you know, some of their copies to Disney and it became very close to becoming a feature film. Um, and they even like developed it. Um, and I, I think in part because it wasn't quite successful enough because of the paper shortage, it didn't print quite well enough. There was an issue that uh, Roald Dahl wanted the um, like story rights, like he wanted final decisions on everything that was being done. Um, it was eventually shelved. Um, but I think it is interesting that that um, book was very successful and that it was uh, pushed through Disney. Um, and uh, it leads into probably the most famous gremlin movie at all, because you'll never guess what Steven Spielberg's movie Gremlins was based on. It is based on the unused treatment for this film for Disney that never came out. So I think it's really cool that the two kind of things that we imagine Gremlins to be the most, which is like these origins that we have from Roald Dahl, which is both military and like children's storytelling was an influence for Spielberg when he started writing or he didn't write it Chris Chris Columbus wrote you know it. he was the producer um, on it though but like he definitely like he had was a big real, hand in getting it made yeah sure yeah and and they really um you, like kind of mined this script that never came out uh for their source material which I think is very cool um so anyway thanks uh Roald Dahl and thanks Spielberg um, but that brings us to an uh, almost uh, Christmassy film, one could say, in uh, Gremlins. Oh, it's definitely a Christmas film. This is all fun. Like, you know how there's that debate of like, oh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? Mm -hmm. it, uh, it, this definitely, without uh, a doubt. in my house, it, without a doubt, we are very much of like, yes, Gremlins is a Christmas movie. Yes. I mean, absolutely. It's, <laughs> if, I, I think it's, um, there shouldn't be a debate. It takes place at Christmas. There's so many Christmas tropes in it. It's just is also a monster movie. And also too, like for, for me, that whole like, is X a Christmas movie? Is Christmas a driving force for the plot? Mm -hmm. Like, would this have happened if it wasn't Christmas time? Mm -hmm. So yes, definitely with Gremlins, like there's no reason for these people to be, in their homes and together and doing all the things that they do, except for the fact that it happens to be Christmas time. Well, right? and also uh, Gizmo is only a gift because it's Christmas right. time. Um, he is they, given they, as they... a gift to, yeah. Yeah. What's the, um, what's so, the character's name? Uh, I, name. I want to say Tommy. Because I think at the end he goes, That sounds Tommy. correct. <laughs> yes. Uh, Billy. 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 Okay, Billy. That's his name, Billy. Uh, ends with a Y. Bye, Billy. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Hey, <laughs> um, yes. Um, so great movie. It's funny because I had thought that I had seen it, but I don't really think that I had. I had only seen it like in a bar in the background, which is not the same as like sitting down and watching. That's not the, movie. the same as watching and it, the movie. And it may yeah. have been, in fact, that I had seen pieces of Gremlins too. 
Um, so I loved Gremlins. Of the many movies mm-hmm. that we've watched, this is going to be, I think, top tier in terms of research movies. Um, wow, that's saying something because you are definitely a horror, sci-fi, fantasy. Yeah, it was cons- really kind of sword. Yeah, I I had. Yeah, I saw it for of- the very first time last Christmas because at the at the urging of my husband when he realized that I had never seen it and it was like, what? We got to do this now, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And in my mind, like, I remember it being marketed as a children's movie. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it. It's absolutely it was not. So violent. And so, and like, and the story that Phoebe Cates's character tells yes. about how her father died is yes. horrifying. Yeah. And it just like, and it's inserted in the middle of the movie, uh-huh. completely derails the plot, completely derails the, the entire tone. energy and tone of the of the movie. And literally the other people in the room were like, But it really uh, grounds why why the okay. character. Uh, and then Christmas. they just keep going on, right? Like, yeah, because she spends like the first what two-thirds of the movie saying, I hate Christmas, I hate Christmas, I hate Christmas, uh-huh. until finally somebody asks her. And she tells this horrifying movie of how her father died at Christmas, or this horrifying story of how her father died at Christmas time. Falling off her And roof, it is... Dressed as Santa. No! He didn't fall off the roof, he got stuck in the chimney. Oh, was it the chimney? And yeah. Yeah, he got... St- because he had dressed up like Santa, and he was going down the chimney to surprise her as a uh-huh. child, and he got stuck, and nobody and it, knew and that. The story so they ends thought for saying- weeks... I, and that's why I figured out there and was that's no why I Santa. Hate that's like, that's yeah. a dark. This, I will say, this movie also has phenomenal one-liners. Like, really yes. good one-liners, sometimes delivered by a gremlin. Um, but, uh, yes, that was one of them that I that I had found that she was saying that. Well, and also, it. too, what I... Uh, the influence, uh, like, obviously, Gremlins has a huge pop culture influence on us as to our perception of gremlins and we see it over and over and over again since then but again and we're going to go back to crediting spielberg for this as i was like saying before this is a way more violent movie than i thought it was like especially the scene where the mom is fighting off the gremlins in the kitchen and she microwaves one and it explodes it's really violent it's It's really gross like and also those those come back to back she stabs one to death she explodes one in the microwave she has the highest kill count in that movie and is she, Billy's mom. She yeah. puts one in in um in a like stand mixer, right? Like a cake mixer. Yeah. It's the first one that you see and you're like, oh, it's gonna be this type like, of movie. Wait, what? It's, yeah. They really so do start, because like- of all of that, there were a lot of people who were really critical of how violent it was, considering that otherwise, you know, the uh, the other creatures are pretty cute and like it kind mm-hmm. of seemed like a kid's movie. Um well, people because so many people that, complained that about it. Thought Gizmo was so cute and everyone wanted a Gizmo, yeah. but then they, they can't actually watch the content that it's from. Right. And so because so many people complained about it so vehemently, and it was also around the same time um, people were complaining about similar things when it came to Temple of Doom, which, of course, another Spielberg movie. Spielberg actually is the one who really pushed the Motion Picture Association of America to create a new rating system for mm-hmm. its films and so it was actually gremlins was the catalyst for the pg-13 rating that we uh-huh. now have and i didn't again i was like what a weird historical fact <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's great the i i really feels the first 30 minutes 
you can tell that it's written by the same guy who did the first uh harry potter film too like it's, it's chris columbus yeah and it has christopher, yeah when i saw that i was like wait the christopher columbus who did home alone and the first yes, harry potter movies because it and starts yes, it out is. being so wholesome but it <laughs> also is like it is a really good script like the screenplay for the first gremlins is phenomenal i think and i think everything is like well motivated there's a couple of plot things where i was like okay this is convenient but it comes with the joke that makes it worthwhile um so I, i'm not even upset like i just think um they did a really good job setting it up in the mogwai and it's like i don't know it's, it's simple and it just really works um there's a couple things i know that we're not going full you know creature feature on this uh gremlins but it's it's a it's a good one there's a couple highlights well and also movie. too like you you and i were kind of talking about this a little bit on the break about i love horror and supernatural elements mixed with christmas like uh -huh. i want to make christmas creepy again <laughs> you when, know what i mean I so i think that this really helps with that too, too. it's yeah. definitely a dark comedy like this is it's supposed to be funny like you're like rooting it on you're rooting for the gremlins in a weird way like you want yeah. to see what the gremlins will do next um uh for sure my least favorite character and with the best payoff is uh mrs deagle the one who like earlier on is like, I'm going to kill your dog. And like, when, you're, oh, not, yeah, when yeah. you're not aware, I'm going to like strangle your dog and there's not gonna be anything you can do about it. And like, they find the dog tied up and they assume it's Mrs. Deagle, but Mrs. Deagle later on, the gremlins are messing with her stare car. Spoiler alert yeah. to anyone who hasn't seen her, this like, movie. The, and it the just goes full lift, steam yeah. and she just gets yeeted out of the window <laughs> at the top of the building, just hurled to her death. And I was like, earlier on in the movie, I was like, why is she so horrible? Like, it's like uncharacteristic that anyone would be this evil and have no like comeuppance. And I was like, never mind, it's great. You've said this Oh, wait, no. Nope. <laughs> um, so uh, it's the only movie I've ever seen somebody uh, have death by um, stair chair. Chairlift. Um, chairlift, <laughs> yeah. So loved that. Also, you're talking about Phoebe Cates, which mm -hmm. uh, it took me a second to be like, this is the real takeoff of her career, right? It's. I think this came yes. after Fast Times, um, which um, she became pretty much a sex symbol of that movie for a long period of time, um, but also just like a household name at that that period of time. So I think it's funny that she went from like sex symbol to right back to wholesome girl. <laughs> um, but that scene where she's in, in the bar is one of my favorite like they really just blow the roof off the movies there's a sequence where like you go into the bar and it's just like 300 gremlins and she's trying furiously to bartend for them all and clearly can't yeah. keep up and all the gremlins are focused like smoking like five cigarettes at a time and it's just one of those things that we, like this would never be i guess that you're talking about the rating system i was like this would never be in a family film again like this this right is yeah nuts <laughs> um but that's for me where it becomes like fully unhinged like it, they work up to it where you're like, okay, this is going to be a horror. Okay. The gremlins are doing little things. When you get into that bar with just hundreds of gremlins, you're like, this is, we've just descended into chaos. And it starts as this kind of 30 minutes of like drama, well-structured setup. And then they just completely, they don't abandon it, but they, they use it to just do whatever they want. Cause they've really set up the premise. Well, which I think. Yeah, definitely that the first 
part of the movie. It's very stereotypical Christmas movie, like this very lovable, but down on his luck guy mm-hmm. who's got an ugly, cute dog and he's crushing on the girl that he works with. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's very sweet, very, oh, okay. I know how this movie goes. And then it goes totally off the rails. Uh-huh. And I love it because it's like, it's you've given me it's the great. freedom. You've grounded it enough in this universe that I understand kind of what the rules are. Now we can just do weird, crazy yeah. gremlin shit. Um, I like that they have the trope of like, they want to blame it on mass hysteria at the end. That's a very classic monster movie thing. Um, but my my favorite, this is my example of when the writing was good, but didn't make any sense, but I didn't care. I like thought about it for a second. I was like, nope, don't mind. At the very end, um, I think Stripe is the name of the, like the main um, evil gremlin. Yes, because and- he has stripes. Yes. At the very end, <laughs> he's lying on the ground and they're kind of like shootout fight sequence, whatever. And he just goes like, mm, water? And then it pans over and there's a gun. He goes, gun. <laughs> and it made me think, number one, how does a gremlin know what a gun is? Like <laughs> he's he's never existed before. He knows what water is. And then later on, they cut to him in the final shootout, and he has a miniature sized gun, the size of a gremlin. Gremlin, gremlin which is not sized. the same gun at the display. So it makes me think: Did he craft his own gun in the period of time for this joke to work? just so that they can have a, a, a discovery of a gremlin being like, oh, I'll use the gun instead. Um, but I loved it. It, uh, it upset me and thrilled me all And delighted you <laughs> yeah. equally, yes. Um, all right, so clearly we both love the Gremlins movie. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think, though, that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the also, I would say, equally famous in pop culture appearance of the Gremlin in... That Twilight Zone yes. episode. Well, that was right? one Terror of the ones. 20,000 feet. Mm-hmm. But wait, one more thing about the Gremlins just All before right. we move on, because it actually is not just uh, a great feature of the movie, but it becomes, I think, a piece of Gremlin lore, which is there's three things you should never, ever let happen to a Mogwai. Otherwise, it will become a Gremlin. And you referenced this earlier, and this is what I was talking about, is you cannot net- let it near bright light. Um, like You cannot get it wet and you cannot feed it after midnight. So we're going to have to check in with our guests to see if that's a factor. Uh, but you talked about that earlier with some of the uh, uh, Korean uh, gremlin-like monsters. And I just want to make sure that we uh, tied that back together. But yes, absolutely. Um, that uh, episode of The Twilight Zone, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, is Have you ever seen iconic. it? No. It's but great. It's, it's actually Shat- really Shatner, great. right? William Shatner. Yeah, but like Shatner actually doing some decent acting in mm-hmm. it. Not that like weird over the top thing. Uh And again, too, like I, of course, it's a very famous Twilight Zone um, episode and it gets referenced so often. I didn't realize just how many times I had seen some version of this. Mm -hmm. Like there's the Treehouse of Horror episode Mm -hmm. on The Simpsons. Yeah. they do it in an episode of Muppets Tonight. Uh-huh. Miss Piggy gets bothered Piggy. by a gremlin. Well, she and Shatner well, that, is in that episode. The Simpsons one is called uh, Terror at Five and a Half Feet. Five and a Half Feet. And yeah. this is where I had seen it first because I hadn't seen the Twilight Zone episode. Is um, Bart like telling Otto that there's a gremlin on the side of the bus, and then uh, Otto sees an like a gremlin car and just swipes it off the road. Like it's. Uh, 
I don't know. It's it's great. And, and I then just, I think like, my favorite my favorite one in the most like overlapping meta ever. So as we know, in the original episode, Twilight Zone episode, it was William Shatner was playing that character who could see this gremlin on the wing of a plane and nobody mm-hmm. else believes him. Then they did a like a Twilight Zone kind of got like a reboot and they redid that episode oh, really? in which John Lithgow plays that character uh-huh. it's a very similar kind of thing where he can see the gremlin on the plane nobody believes him he gets hauled off in a straitjacket at the end of it there so <clears throat> john lithgow very famously in the 90s was in a sitcom called third rock from the sun mm-hmm. in that episode john lithgow's character meets a character played by william shatner as he is getting off of an airplane Shatner's character describes seeing something horrifying on the wing and John Lithgow's character says the same thing happened to me. (laughs) So they are each playing separate characters in this same sitcom. They have both played the same character in the two different Twilight Zone episodes that was the same. Like it was just so overlapping. It was just so funny and such a great callback to both of these very famous actors iconic career episodes you know it was just like it was so funny that's awesome there um there was another film that i actually watched uh to prep for this that i that i really enjoyed that's a different style for sure uh it's called shadow in the cloud i don't know if you've heard about this it's Hmm, on netflix if anybody wants to watch it it's uh got um i think chloe grace Moritz or Moritz Chloe anyway the girl oh, yeah. was also in yeah Grace Moritz and um she plays basically like a female um uh, what is the what do they call it I don't want to spoil the story anyway uh, like she works for the Air Force let's say um but basically uh she's she's got this like package that's a confidential uh thing that nobody's allowed to ask her about and she um gets into a plane to try to sneak out of um uh, out of the country that she's in and basically there's a whole bunch of like sexist dudes on the plane and she's dealing with that so they like have her they're like fine you can stay this guy will take the package he'll hold on to it you have to like sit in the turret at the bottom of the plane, um, like the lower, almost like, you know, a Star Wars style sticking to the Millennium Falcon. Like there's a, a shooter turret underneath and there's one above, but she's completely isolated from the rest of them and like locked in this thing. Um, and it's in the tradition, a bunch of the movie, like um, Locke or other films that like are just, you're stuck with somebody for a long period of time and it builds up the suspense. Uh, but you realize very quickly that there is a, a gremlin on the plane and she's trapped in this kind of turret hanging at the bottom of the plane and she could see it. None of them believe her. And then she gets stuck in there um, and she can't get access to the package that she's supposed to defend. Um, and in this version um, of uh, the gremlin, they're kind of like large bat-like creatures. So she gets attacked by one and she can't even tell them truly what it is other than like she tries telling them the shadow and they don't believe her um so it becomes this kind of um well the trope i guess is man on a mission but uh woman on a mission uh <laughs> to uh save her uh, without spoiling it just this uh, confidential uh package um and it kind of 
it, it's cool because it's it's modern in times in terms of like the fun style of the movie but it's also kind of a period piece because they're in like a, a b-17 flying fortress in world war ii so you, you're getting kind of this world war ii aviation like film like uh style like in terms of the way they're dressed and the way they talk and like the visual language of the film but it also seems almost like a fun 80s action film um it was i think a couple years ago one of the midnight madness films at tiff um either i think maybe two years ago uh, i didn't see it there but i wish i did and then i was like oh i can watch this now in the reference for this um but i thought it was cool because the gremlins are yeah flying bat like almost rat um rodent like things they're still very fearsome and deadly but they're not little tiny people as they are in some other things. Uh, and it's more of like a- Well, and also in keeping that tradition- Yeah, and also in keeping with that tradition of the, their origins of uh, terrorizing the RAF during yeah. the world wars, that like, yeah. yeah, it's yet another aviation story. And again, too, that's part of what makes the Twilight Zone story so famous too, is that Shatner is the only one who can see the gremlin taking apart the wing, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and that's kind of the thing is, it's really suspenseful at first because you're like, oh, she's stuck here. She sees the thing that's going to murder him and they're not going to help her out. Like, it's very like she's got to deal with it or she's going to die. Um, so the stakes are really high. Um, on the flip side of like kind of grounded uh, action, I guess, we've also got some old like short films from Warner Brothers uh, through the Looney Tunes. So the first one is Falling Hair. So this one is a Bugs Bunny short where basically there's all of these little gremlins that look like, uh, or I think there's a couple, but basically he's bothered by one gremlin who looks more like a little tiny person. And um, the gremlin like gets him into a plane and then like uh, forces it. There's all these kind of like visual jokes in a great like Looney Tunes style of, of bugs getting messed with by um, a gremlin and it's funny actually it's one of the few cartoons uh, I saw people like commenting online which is true that uh, Bugs Bunny like isn't the smart one like making like oh. messing with somebody else the whole thing is that he is being messed with so you don't see that very often no you don't usually you... By a gremlin. Bugs is the mischievous character so that one's called Falling Hair um, which you can find pretty easily online there's also kind of a weird let's just say historical um one called Russian Rhapsody which was produced by um uh Warner Brothers it's got Mel Blanc and the premise is that um German soldiers are complaining about gremlins and like things are going missing flights are going missing pastors going missing so Hitler himself decides that he is going to fight using his own plane and he will go to Russia to defeat them himself and there's all of this it's it's voiced by Mel Blanc so it is still like a Looney Tunes style short but it features like the protagonist is like Hitler and he gets into the plane and then there's like 16 gremlins that start like tearing the plane apart um and they sing a little song um about uh that they're gremlins from the Kremlin almost like they're little dwarves and he's getting messed with by these Russians uh and there's all these like gags like, like a like a Snow White and the Seven Dwarves yes, <laughs> style yeah. and they're, in, they're, yes, and they're, they're sawing away at the plane <laughs> and it's like this old like cartoon animation style and it's very clearly like it feels like propaganda Weird. made to insult like Hitler for sure like it's 
it is overt in that way that he looks like a, a you know a dumbass but it was one of those things that i was like whoa this was like children's family content like it seems bonkers this like yeah like minute. we'd never make a a short a short cartoon or like disney would never make a short cartoon about like putin like this yeah now, you know? yeah but there's also points where like hitler gets electrocuted and it's like the that cartoon thing where it's like your body shape shapes forms there's one where it, like changes forms into like a swastika because he's getting electrocuted and one oh where he like says something about the rush like it's all satire against him but it's just like way too overt <laughs> like it is uh uncomfortably so um anyway it's readily available you can watch it online uh it's called russian rhapsody but again it's that same i guess early cartoon tradition of it has to do with war the gremlins are tied to war right, and yeah. specifically you know world war ii um it's crazy um in terms of nice little wholesome things that i know uh Madrin dearly loves in uh, pokemon sword and shield oh i was gonna we see... haven't talked about pokemon in so long i knew yeah. there was a pokemon i knew it was coming there's two um, gremlin-like Pokemon, Impidimp and Morgren are dark fairy I'm sorry, types. did you just say Impidimp? That's right. And you can look Impidimp. it up. Impidimp. Oh, that's so it's cute. It's a gremlin-style uh, Pokemon. It's dark and fairy In my type. mind, I'm like, oh, do, 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 do. I'm Impidimp. I'm the gremlin, Impidimp. Boop, yeah, but all the Pokemon just say their own names. So they oh. can't say, you know. Impidimp. Impi, yeah. Impidimp. Okay, that's better. Impidimp. Yeah. Yeah, great. That would be good. <laughs> um, all right, I am available for all animation voiceover bookings. Please yes. <laughs> refer to my agents. Uh, yeah. You, you want to put that in the pitch later? I should. Yeah. I'm going to pitch myself as, as, as the official voice of MP Dimp. As MP Dimp the Pokemon. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the last kind of cartoon that I've got is in the Lego Batman movie, The Gremlins Plague the Bat Jet Mid Flight. And they are like gremlin. They're gremlins like from the movie Gremlins, but they're doing the thing like we talk about gremlins doing in technology. Like tearing uh, apart the bat plane? Yes, the bat plane while oh. they're like in it. Um, so it it's, uh, really kind of ticks both boxes there uh, for the Lego movie, um, <laughs> which is pretty funny, actually. I remember watching that and I quite enjoyed it. I particularly like the scene where he has to eat and wait to reheat his lobster thermidor. Um... Anyway, I've seen that movie. Why don't I remember any of this? There's a long it. sequence. You can find there's also like a YouTube cut of it's like a lobster thermidor for three minutes. And it's just Will Arnett as Batman just in the Batcave alone reheating the dinner that Alfred made him like hours ago. It's actually really funny. And this is in the Lego movie. It's, it's not the in the Lego Batman, Batman, Lego Batman movie. movie. Oh, okay. And I haven't Lego seen Batman. that one. I haven't seen that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I saw the first one with... Um... Like Allison Brie and, and Chris mm -hmm. Pratt and all that. Yeah. Lego Batman is quite good. Um, yeah, and that's what I've got for pop culture. I feel like it was. I I think we would be remiss specific. if we did not talk about the American Motors Gremlin car Let's that was produced in the 1970s. I thought this was very weird. Well, that's the one I, that I was talking drive. about. That auto knocks off the road in terror right at in five terror and a half feet. five and a half feet right yeah. it's like there's a gremlin beside the bus and they uh -huh. look and it's hans who always is so put upon driving a little gremlin which and it was but when i remembered that episode i was like wait is that a real car because of course whatever i look yeah it was in so american motors made it it was in production from 
1970 to 1983. Hmm. Apparently, it was like a pretty reliable, compact car. A ton of people, they made over 600,000 of them in the life of the uh, the car itself. Hmm. It was a competitor to the Ford Pinto and the Volkswagen Beetle and the Toyota Corolla. Is it the smart car um, of this generation? Popular? It, yeah, strange. well, it was... Yeah, like, and it, but it's really ugly. Like, it has a very long hood, and then the rest of it is quite short. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like it has much in the way of storage in the back. Like, it has a hatchback on it. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact it was manufactured in a good old Brampton, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, now, it's not, yeah, but yeah, the, I mean, my it's, next comment it's is going to ugly... sound like I'm slamming Brampton, Ontario, but does. Does oh, I'll the slam Grammar Brampton, car Ontario. Have a lot of like technological problems. Like I feel like if you name your machinery a gremlin, you're asking for trouble. Right. This is what I'm saying. If they are famous, if gremlins are famous for causing mechanical failure, why would I want a car named that? I know. That's what I'm saying. It seems like flawed. But no, I... they were actually apparently they were like. Yeah, kind of similar. You know how like everybody right right now, if you think of a Honda Civic, there's nothing fancy about it. There's nothing flashy about it, but they're pretty reliable, generally safe, mid-range compact cars, right? Mm -hmm. So they were like the the Civic of the 70s. All right. Yeah, I know. But oh, and yeah, and feel free to slag on Brampton. I hate Brampton. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. uh, Bram- we don't Brampton have a lot of... and Mississauga. I hope um, Mississauga and Brampton uh, no, natives have not immediately thrown their phone into a ditch uh, to stop listening to us. Everyone I know who lives in Brampton agrees with me. Okay. So I think they know. Okay. Well, as they soon know. as that, I look. I, at risk of alienating our audience even further as somebody who is from like, let's say downtown Toronto, I have a bone to pick with all of the suburban Toronto being mixed in with Toronto and sharing all of our votes together. Anyway, uh, we're doing a real good <laughs> job of making everyone uh, love what's going on. Um, we're going to take a break. Love but... gremlins, hate Brampton. <laughs> what, what? That'll be the hashtag the of our episode. podcast. Yeah, um, be the hashtag. Uh, when we get back, we're going to be joined by uh, Tivor. Uh, or Tavor. I can't remember. I'm sure he's going to correct me. I think it's Tavor. Tavor? Okay. Um, Well, uh, the intern was unspecific, uh, so we'll find out uh, when we get to meet them, but uh, they're going to maybe answer some of these questions for us about where they come from, what they look like, and uh, maybe even just what car they're driving uh, when we get back (laughs) on Monstrology. See you soon. Okay, welcome back to the third segment and the best segment of the show, in my opinion, uh, the interview segment. And we are joined by Tivor, and Tivor is a gremlin. Tivor, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, and thank you for getting my name right. Most people don't. Oh, oh do you get a lot of what uh, most Trevor? Most people say. Most people do say Trevor. Trevor is my brother. Trevor is who spawned me. Oh. I hate Trevor. Wait, Trevor. See, and I get Madeline you? all the time. Yeah, you know, I I get that happens. Like it, it's. I think what happens is most Look, people Madeline, just go. Look, Madeline. I'm sorry. Something very important has just occurred. <sighs> Tivor said that he was spawned by a Trevor. No, we can talk. We got time, Will. God, I'm trying to build some camaraderie here. Madeline, please. <laughs> you said that you're from a, a Trevor. Or is it Trevor yes, correct. A human. 
No, Trevor is also a gremlin. Tre uh, Trevor spawned both me and my other brother, Shmebula. <laughs> okay, and when you say spawned, without getting crude, all of our monsters have different origins. Is the spawning like a traditional human-style spawning? Do you come from an egg? Or what's the deal? Uh, no, of course not. It's out of the back through oh. water. Oh. oh, like gremlin style. Somebody got wet and a bunch of other gremlins popped out of its yeah, out back, of the back through water. Isn't style. that one of the, the earlier alien films too? Wasn't that in Prometheus? Really painful birth. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think it was. I think it was in Prometheus or Covenant. One of them. Really awful birth. Um, so congratulations on existing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you are a gremlin. Now, I can see you, but our listeners cannot. So I'm wondering if you can just describe for them uh, listening at home, wondering what type of gremlin you are. We talked so much earlier in our episode about the different types of gremlins in terms of appearance. Can you just let them know whether you're, you know, bat-like? I can see you've got the big uh, traditional uh, gremlin grin, which is very large and very sharp and toothy. Um, but I just wonder if you could describe yourself a little bit. Of course, I'm a handsome green. I'm very, very sexy, two feet, four inches tall, ears included. Are you French, too? Uh, more of, I grew up in Yorkshire. <laughs> okay. So imagine you're half right. I mean, Madeline. I mean, uh, Madeline. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so you say sexy, green, toothy. Uh, do you have any boots on? Any, like, humanoid-style clothing? Of course not. Uh, as all gremlins, I am born in my birthday suit. I wear my birthday suit my entire life. That's just how it is. Nope. Mm -hmm. When you say birthday suit, that's the euphemism for naked, right? Like, when humans say their birthday suit, that's what they mean. You but said you it. Might mean... You said it. Okay, okay. Well, I, don't, <laughs> I mean, it's possible that you actually have a suit well and also just given to I, look, you at first thank you for you describing yourself because that was really my way of saying you're, you're buck naked right now and i didn't know how to address it so i just wanted you to address it yourself uh but i could tell that you've got a little bit of a scaly skin going on there too is that just dry skin or is that um a feature well that actually has a lot to do with our ability to turn invisible oh oh now, do you have to wear so you a, do a hat possess that power then yeah or do you, yes, you, of course. You have a hat? No, 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 no. I was talking to Maddie over there. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I was afraid that you had to be completely naked, but with just a hat to be invisible, which, although would have been really entertaining, it makes more sense that you don't need the hat. That's um, silly, of course. Of course, we wouldn't need a hat. We just need our left sock. Oh, you need a left oh. sock to be invisible. Just the left one? Do you end just up Just the left one. Do you end up taking the left socks from different people's dryers? Is that why sometimes we only have one sock? Of course, left socks. Also, the lids to all your Tupperware. Ah, oh. oh, that's you? Yeah, typical. Typical gremlin. Um, now, we also had What some... do you do with the Tupperware lids? What would one do with the Tupperware lids? <laughs> well, I would put it on the Tupperware bottom and keep my food fresh. But well, you... what do you do with well, the lids? Well, that's just silly. Of course, you put it under your mattress and just leave it there. That's just where it goes. 
<laughs> so you're got, you've got like a princess and the pea situation going on where you just have a bunch of Tupperware lids under your mattress. <laughs> and you have a really There must mattress. be 17. So yes, of course, they cycle in, they cycle in, they cycle out, but there must be 17 Tupperware lids under your mattress. How are you supposed to sleep? Wait, what do you do with them after you're finished cycling through them? Do you throw them out or is... Well, I give mine to Schmebula. I don't know what he does with them after that. <laughs> okay. Shmebula just I wouldn't ask. Shmebula. Is Shmebula a poor thief? Can Shmebula not thief for themselves? Shmebula, how do I put this? Shmebula is slower than a typical gremlin. Okay. So he, he needs a slow, bit of help. Or a little bit also just uh, dim. You get the idea. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so we know that you've got a Shmebula, a.k.a. a, a uh, brother, I would say, you said, yeah? Shmebula? Yes, yes, brother, yes. Um, well, we also found some evidence that um, gremlins have uh, some sort of specific names for siblings here. Um, there's uh, some people have a um, a wife. Um, where was it? Uh, a wife uh, called a Fifinella. Uh, do you have any uh, widgets or Liberty Gibbets as well? Do you have any children? I have widgets on my phone, if that's what you're asking. I don't really <laughs> understand. Okay, well, we question, found but... uh, Roald Dahl is uh, really the kind of creator of this book called The Gremlins. And that's uh, one of the earliest books that we could find on The Gremlins. And um, the little boys are called widgets and the, the children are called Liberty Gibbets. And uh, is this nonsense or, or is there something real here? Complete nonsense, but... Uh... You said doll. That's 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 that fool that crashed in the desert, I believe. Yes, yeah, in the yes. Western Desert in um, 1942. You knew See, about that. that. Was, so of that course I knew true. about that. That is why Schmebula is not allowed to go on missions anymore. Oh, this man no. saw him. And oh. I guess he's been slandering us since. I don't know. So this is a this book was created in out of revenge. I can't think of another reason why he would do that. I mean, uh, maybe capitalism. He made quite a bit of money off the book. Uh, he almost even got a film deal. Um, yeah, a but... Disney film deal. Those oh. are pretty lucrative. Right? Yeah, it didn't right. quite come together, though. I wonder if... Uh, and Schmebula didn't see a cent of this. Wow. Typical. Nope. I, well, that actually kind of... Uh, I, I wanted to ask you about that, is that from what we understand, uh, uh, oftentimes the a gremlin's love of destroying mechanical items machinery and things like that is because it's actually a talent that you bestowed upon humanity and then we never really acknowledged your contributions to that and so this is kind of as an act of revenge is is there any validity to that is that what happened so that's that's a weird thing about gremlins is that some say that some say other things. I will say that Trevor, my brother who spawned me, does believe that. But it's a lot like how everyone says they invented pizza. I don't really know if it's true or not. Okay. Personally, okay. I do enjoy uh collecting aeronautics materials. Okay. Uh, I consider it somewhat offensive that people assume I'm just trying to kill people. I mean, yes, that is fun. But <laughs> my main goal is to build a ship. Okay. Oh. No, now you're talking about uh, the ship like a, like a boat? You're talking about a ship like a... No, 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 not boats. So you're not you're boats, talking not about boats. a spaceship. A spaceship, a spaceship of course. Oh, wow, of course. Oh. I will be the first gremlin on Mars. 
Wow. Oh, that is quite an ambition. I like that. Yeah. Now, are you concerned about, uh, I mean, you have great feats of engineering, but what if you take Schmebula with you? Because if you take Schmebula, you might crash the ship. You think Schmebula even knows what a Mars is? I don't even, when I'm talking <laughs> oh, to him fair. about this, I can tell him anything and I don't have to worry about it, any of it landing. It goes right over his little head. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Is that because you're throwing things over his head because he's not listening? <laughs> At all times. Yeah, At all, all times. times. Uh, what is your favorite um, technology or machinery to to mess with? Like, what what gives you the best parts or what is the most fun to steal from? Well, of course, we already mentioned dryers. That is a great source of technology. Mm. Uh I guess you know. So you take you take both the left socks and electrical components. Of course. Why dryers? do you think every dryer that humans use rumbles like that? Oh. There's there's it's not pieces supposed to make that, that, that noise. Of course not. There are pieces oh. in a dryer that are supposed to stop it from doing that. Wait. Those are the funnest piece to take because people don't even oh. notice. Oh. Now this seems like you know I I'm not really suggesting this, but I'm kind of wondering if this is happening anyway. Are you the person, you know, how like you know, they say, oh, this dryer will last for 30 years. No problem. And then it lasts <laughs> for like, oh, he's giggling. And then it only yeah. lasts for that's that gremlin giggle. And then they only last for two years. And then you got to go buy a new, you know, dryer. Do you have some sort of uh, side uh, hustle going on here with the dryer company? No comment. Uh, I guess you got you to gotta finance <laughs> okay. your uh, aerospace um, engineering somehow, right? Also, Again, no comment. Uh, imagine, be careful with your dryer. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, my neighbor already complains enough about the noise from my washer and dryer. Because my washer and dryer are on my second floor. And so she kind of complains sometimes mm. about being able to hear it, you know, in the bedrooms and things like that. Well, probably wouldn't uh, complain so much if the gremlins hadn't gotten to it. If but... the gremlins hadn't messed with my... I didn't realize that they'd have been messed with. You know, I went and I bought these, like, shock absorber pads for it to sit on. And I try to only run my washer and dryer in the middle of the day so that I wouldn't be bothering them. And, just, and if I had known that it was missing components, I could have resolved some of this conflict with my next door neighbor. No, but ah. gremlins, I, I mean, oh, this is actually, a, do, do you do this for fun? Do you enjoy the conflict uh, that you created or is it kind of like inconvenient? Well, the, there's sort of two sides to the same coin. I mean, I still mostly for my own uh my own means like like i said i'm building ships i'm building almost every technology i use that's just how being a gremlin works you build it yourself you don't go buy things we're not capitalists mm -hmm. but uh, i i i'm i'm sorry i'm sorry you were asking if we steal because we enjoy it yeah i mean like messing with yes like like We've just got Madron as a real life case study here. So she's angered her neighbors, okay? Because the gremlins, I'm not saying it's you or Schmebula, but a gremlin has made her dryer super noisy. And um, yes. when you find out that the humans are now, you know, uh, quibbling as a result of your um, gremlin. Yes, 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 Bill. Okay, I get, you I, I get your idea, yes. Bill. So just like how humans have hobbies, you know, like watching TV or sitting on hats. 
we gremlins also have hobbies. And it's sitting on hats. Isn't that something you do? I mean, I try not to sit on my hats because yeah, then they get all really kind of crush This is news hats. to me. This is news to me. But yeah. anyway, wh whatever you humans enjoy doing, just picture that as this. It, it, it's it's it just makes sense. Some some gremlins want to just see things fall apart. Okay. It's fun. It's okay. a hobby. Mm. It it's it's like both our career and our hobby. You must do something you enjoy doing. That's you, what, you, you know, never that's work what a day in your the, life. The advice, you know? right? That's the advice that, that graduates are always given is is do what you love, right? And mm. you'll never work a day in your life. Mm. So there you go. Yeah. Um. So this uh, spaceship that you're working on, how done is it right now? Like on a scale of zero to 100, how much progress have you made? Well, I've been working on it since World War II, and I would say I'm probably about 2% of the way there. Okay. What pieces between World War II and now have continued to be useful for you? Well, you know, the globdy glukes in the left side or the schmigalagas on the right side. It, uh, these things are interchangeable. And of course, there has been great progress in aeronautics, but most of these pieces, you know, you can find a way to incorporate them into a ship. Okay. I just know that this will work out within the next two centuries. I okay. will be the first gremlin on Mars. And uh -huh. then I will be the first gremlin on Mars to steal parts from planes on Mars. Well, here's here's oh, a have you um, worried that well, maybe are you do you know for sure that there are planes on mars because we we have sent uh satellites out to mars and we actually put a little robot on mars to take pictures and and record video and things like that and i i haven't seen any evidence of there being any kind of machinery on Mars. Uh, I mean, yeah, other than the robot we sent there, right? But but Tibor's uh, got about sent a hundred years until then. You sent a robot. Okay, I'm just you I'm just saying a that a robot the... and assumed it was not trifled with. Um, hmm. Interesting. Uh... Now, I, okay, but I let have... me ask you this. Let me so wait, ask so you. You're saying that that when the Mars rover is just taking pictures of a lot of barren rock, a lot of dust, a lot of dirt, not much else. That is false information. You're well, saying let me that... let me ask you a question here. How do you believe that Martians travel? You think they walk everywhere? Well, Marvin the Martian. I has rest a my spaceship. case. Oh, okay. Now, uh, Tivor, I have something, and I don't mean to upset you by this proposition, but time will tell. So, you're hoping to build a spaceship, so you can take your own spaceship to Mars, and therefore you can be the first gremlin to go to Mars. But aren't you concerned that another gremlin might just hitch a ride to Mars on a spaceship and beat you there? Like, it seems important to you that you build your own ship, but why haven't you just hopped onto a pre-existing ship? One of those death traps? No. Goblin-made, yeah. gremlin-made engineering is the only way to go. Okay. And all gremlins believe this. You, you, it, if I were to hitch a ride on one of your human planes, mm -hmm. who's to say that there's not a dozen gremlins tearing it apart while I'm in the air? That's dangerous. That's what I'm saying. 
but but if you that then one of these gremlins torn apart might beat you there if they make it in one piece then you won't be the first gremlin to mars you certainly i mean look i have a lot to think about i know i didn't mean to upset oh, you but i feel yeah. like this has created an issue right that you want to do it your own way and rightfully so and you're two percent of the way there so like you're almost there it's just going to take a couple more centuries but in the next couple centuries what if a gremlin, you know, hops into the the uh, space Tesla and they they beat you there? I suppose I can alter my plan and say I will be the first gremlin who made it to Mars off his own gumption. Okay, there you go. Oh, I like that. I That's like nice. gumption. That's a great word. That's a great word. Is that also a part? Is there a, a part called the gumption? Don't be ridiculous. Okay, sorry. What, what, what are you thinking of? Well, you had some a wobbledy woggleton. Yeah, well, sorry. Why would that be called that? A woggle wobbledy woggleton. Yeah, That's you know a... the little thing that goes blip blop blip blop on the back. Wait, does it light up too? No, 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 no. You're thinking of a zeblar. Oh, I, I must be thinking of a zeblar. Foolish of me uh, to to confuse the two. Um. Now, so we know a bit about uh, your your spawned brother that's uh, not so bright, but Trevor, who spawned you, did they have the same uh, aer aeronautic uh, abilities that you do? Or are they any good at uh, assembling things? Trevor likes to complain a lot. That seems to be his main function in life, is to complain about the humans. He wants to start some sort of uprising all the time, but mm -hmm. in the, at the end of the day, he's just a sock stealer. Uh, <laughs> what percentage? Of well, it seems it seems like the human gremlin relationship is quite symbiotic. I mean, don't you need us to put socks and Tupperware lids out for you to steal them? And this and is mess with our mechanical bits. And... This is a core problem of goblins. I keep saying goblin. I'm sorry. That is what we call each other. You're not allowed to say it. But oh, okay, I won't. Gremlin. I, I'll, I'll use your word, gremlin society is uh, kind of in a situation there where some gremlins say we don't need the humans and other gremlins like myself just enjoy using your stuff. Uh -huh. I don't have to make my own pieces. How am I supposed to make a Z-Blower by myself? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, Madrin, I... I... I just did a little kind of um, look up in my my monstrology encyclopedia, and a and a zeblor seems to be a, a plastic bag, you know, you know, plastic bags. So it sounds like maybe some of these words that that um, name sounds ridiculous. Well, that's just what we call it. I mean, some people call it a ziploc. Does that make you feel better? Mm, yeah, so that's, that's that's getting a little more on track. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm wondering maybe Tivor, some of the things that you need, we maybe we could get them for you. Like I wouldn't have thought that I could get that for you, but in the encyclopedia, I realized that that um, you know, that's just a plastic bag. Like I could just give that to you. That's that's fine. And this you this... could procure the last bits I need. Uh, a simple well... ninety-eight percent of my spaceship can be procured by you, Bill. Billifer, uh, you can do this for me, Billifer. Yeah, sure. Uh, Madeline Billifer and yourself, hey. uh, we're gonna take off in a in a ship created by you. Um, I have like made, thirty. Made ninety eight percent. You're welcome to. Bag. You're welcome yeah. to. Yes. Yes. Well, I yeah, I've got like 30, 30 plastic bags in a little box. They're sandwich sized. 
Um, that that wibbledy wobbledy bit at the back. What does it look like? Is it also a humanoid object? Yeah, the the piece that flicks back and forth uh-huh. on the uh, it's it it looks a lot like I, I, you know sometimes I see you humans rubbing it on your face when when something's coming out of that uh, the horn in the middle. Uh, it's sort of got a white. A, a white look to it. It's a, textured a lot s- like cloth. Or... Are you talking about sunscreen? A white look of something that we rub on our face? No, no, no. It's it it's it's a solid. It's 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 square or rectangular shaped. You, you, you things come out of your horn in the middle. You get a all tissue. drippy. You're looking for Kleenex. Uh, sure. Sure. If that's the human word for it, I don't well, mean to no, be yeah. disrespectful. But... I could I could buy a box of that for like ninety nine cents, which is not very mm. many cents. Mm. This means nothing to me. Well, I the point is I can get it to you. I can send it to you. Uh, I'll have the intern grab it for you. Actually, the intern might even have them. How is um how is uh, Sally doing? Is Sally, do you Sally? mean Sally? 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 Do you do you mean Tivo three? Uh... My new friend. Oh, my well, new human uh, friend. Okay, so Tivor what, three. What did, what did you call them? Uh Sally is is what what. That's an awful name. Tivor does. three. Uh, is actually currently watching my television that I created myself. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he or she or they or whatever whatever you humans call yourselves seems very pleased with themselves right now. Uh they were making a weird noise out of their mouth, so I did cover that up with with a globdig look. Okay. But... Oh, I'm not gonna find out what a globdig. I just hope that they're still. Are they? Did you cover all of their breathy bits, like the mouth and nose? Uh, of course, I covered the mouth and nose, but uh, but uh, don't worry, I left her ears completely open. Oh. 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 Well... She's very calm and content now. Okay. Well. Um. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe uh, Tibor Three has gained some sort of gremlin powers. Um, Madrin, let's hope when they were there. Honorary gremlin. Yes. Honorary gremlin. So maybe they've gained honorary. some honorary She's gremlin my powers. Oh wow! <laughs> there you go. Um. Well, uh, I feel like we've learned uh, quite a lot about you, Tibor. Uh, you've got your own uh, intern there. Um, you've got Tibor Three. You yourself are. Uh, wait, are you Tibor One? Yes. So it went Trevor. Who's Timor one? Two Nebula. Sally. Who's Timor two? We don't talk about Timor two. Okay. Well, let's not dig too deep. Seems like a very sensitive subject for you. Yeah. I mean, this is Timor. Timor, you're just you're really breaking down right now. It's gonna be all right, Timor. You you seem quite uh, upset. Look, if I said to you that I wanted to be the first gremlin on the moon. Uh-huh. Mars, and... you said. No, the moon okay. was my original goal. <laughs> okay. Tivor 2 took my dreams and crushed them. Oh, so, no. He told me that the moon is just CGI. Oh, no. For breaking this this dream of mine, I I cannot talk to him anymore. So is, but is, is Tivor Mars... 2... On the moon right now? There, there is no moon. That's what Tivo 2 told me. No, T- oh, Tivo, no, there is a moon. There's a moon. Yeah. It's a real thing. And Mars it's... is a real thing, too. 
You know, Mars is really well, far away. Well, of course, away, Mars right? is. It's really far away. The then... moon is like not so far away, but still pretty far away. But Mars is real because we can't see it, and the moon is not real because we can see it. Oh well, I can't. I, I guess I, I you know I could argue with that logic, not but seeing, I won't. Not seeing is believing. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. Sure. Um. Well, uh, Tibor. Now that we've figured out uh, you and your siblings, uh, and we we've kind of completed that uh, lineage there. Um, I, I really hope that uh, Sally is going to gain some of those powers soon because uh, I'm a little bit concerned, but if not, it's okay. We filled out the paperwork. Um, it's time for us to uh, get into our Creechy coffee break. Now, this segment uh, was once called Pitches and then off Madrin's request, it was called With My Dying Breath. And then by Madrin's request, again, it was renamed uh, into uh, Coffee Break. So if you like monstrology, you could go to www.ko-fi.com slash monstrology and you could give us increments of $5 to go get a coffee or let's say pay for our Zoom subscription or podcast hosting fees. Little things that can help us uh, make this podcast. You can uh, go to coffee.com slash monstrology, but it's a coffee break. Uh, so we're just going to take a little uh, coffee break and pitch some things. Um, so Madrin, do you have something that you'd like to uh, pitch? Um, maybe your uh, impudent voice uh, or something. <laughs> my in my career is an impudent. Yes, uh, you can get in touch with my agent uh, for all bookings and requests. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I think I, uh, the thing that I'm actually going to pitch is um, uh, Will and I have some pals over at Soup Can Theater. They mm-hmm. are doing their site specific immersive. Christmas Carol experience at Campbell House, I believe opening night was last night. And so it runs for the next three weeks. Um, I'm happy for them to say that last I knew all advanced tickets had been sold and they are only taking people on their will call wait list in case there are cancellations. So fabulous for them. Yep. Um, But I saw the show in... 2019, of course, pre-pandemic when we could all gather in very small spaces together. Um, But yes, uh, I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. Um, Really uh, an excellent use of Campbell House itself, this living, working, old-timey museum house. Um, Excellent, excellent acting. And uh, yeah, and they, you know, they theater especially indie theater in toronto has really been hit very hard by the pandemic with us not being able to gather the way that we used to so now that things are opened up again and we can go and do these things i highly highly encourage people to do so mm-hmm. wonderful uh tivor do you have anything you'd like to pitch to our listeners well tivor 3 right now is watching star wars on disney plus that i'm pirating okay and it gets me thinking about this YouTube channel I found the other day, uh, created by someone named, I believe it was Tivor Five or Schmebulosa or Daniel Jaworski. It's one of those names. That's probably Jaworski. Uh, that's a funny name. Probably Tivor Isn't Five. Likely Tivor Five. I, 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 I'd be remiss if I say I don't quite remember the name of the person, but the was channel was called Schman- the... Schmanuel Schmaborski. It was that something it? along that lines, but yeah, the. 
main thing that I do remember is that the YouTube channel is called the Kyber Tempo. Okay. And it talks about Star Wars and it talks oh. about all the little things that you don't necessarily pick up on while watching these TV shows. Uh, personally, I don't even understand Star Wars. It's just it's just a blank screen when I watch it on my TV that I built. But there's but lots of uh, malfunctioning technology it. in it. So. People love it. That's all yeah. I got to say. Yes. Well, on this, this um, Schmanuel Schmamorski uh, seems to be quite capable at, uh, at digging into the Star Wars lore. Um, my pitch uh, this week is just the Yule Cat, uh, which is a monster <laughs> that I recommend you look up. Uh, it's, um, it's just such a weird uh, modern monster. It's we're leading up to the Christmas season and, you know, your Christmas gathering is getting a little bit stale and everyone's talking about, you know, their new jobs or, or their new carpet or a cocktail that no one's enjoying. Why not spice things up a little bit by talking about the Yule cat, uh, which is an Icelandic uh, cat. Um, that is the cat of Gorilla, a giantess. And um, there's 13 mischievous prankster children called the Yule lads and their Yule cat uh, who devours um, uh, poor children. I feel like uh, Krampus and the Yule Cat might get along quite well. Um, Madrin, what don't you think? Maybe they know each other already. I, I think so. I think there's a lot of overlap in their love of torturing children. Well, maybe they just need a little meat cute. Maybe I can uh, set that oh, up for them for Christmas. You yeah, know? you could. we should set that up. Well, you wow. know, we can you know have meet up in the bunker. I've got an idea here. Now, this might seem crazy, but what if we were to pivot this into a Christmas film? You know, the ultimate meet cute of Krampus and the Yule Cat. They meet in a small Christmas town, and we can probably just put together enough tropes, I think, to turn that into a Hallmark movie. What do you think? I love it. Sounds great. I've never met the Yule Cat, but Krampus is a real dick, so I'm not sure that that's going to work <laughs> oh, out. Really? When know. we met him, he was actually quite sweet. Yeah, so I, Krampus mm. and I have actually hung out together. He's a big fan of The Notebook. Uh, it might surprise you. Uh, he's been here at my apartment. Now, Wait, were you look, I don't want to poke poke the bear here, but were you kind of a naughty gremlin child? Did you did you find <laughs> little pebbles in your shoes when you were around? Little Christmas pebbles time when you were a child? Little tiny my, sticks. My my left sock was often filled with the little uh I black see. turds. I don't remember what they're called. Uh coal, I believe it is. So sure. I think yeah, I mean, that kind of tracks, Madrin. I think that gremlins would probably get a lot of visits from Krampus, uh, you know, at uh, Krampus Not. Uh, but I don't think uh, gremlins are going to be changing any time soon. And hey, we love you for that, uh, but that might speak to this um, this frayed relationship between you and Krampus. You know, maybe we can get you together sometime and we'll, we'll work out our differences uh, in, in the Monstrology Bunker. Absolutely yeah. not. Okay, well, then uh, we won't. Anyway, um, uh, Tivor, uh, at the end of our episodes, we sometimes ask our guests if they'd like to share any words of wisdom to our listeners at home. Do you have anything you'd like to uh, tell them as, as your parting gift? Keep your socks wet, your Tupperware lids adjacent to the door, and always remember to dry your glassware. Oh, all right. Well, I don't want to know why that last one exists. Uh, so uh, until the next episode of Monstrology, uh, listeners, I hope you see as many or as few monsters as you would like. Uh, Tivor, thanks for uh, joining. 
uh, Madeline and myself, uh, Billiam <laughs> or whatever it was. And uh, we'll see. Wasn't you... it Billifer? Yes, Billifer. I think it was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Monstrology. Bye. Have a nice life. <laughs> Monstrology is homegrown Canadian content, co-hosted by Will King and Madrin McCabe, edited and produced by Will King, and distributed on the Podbean platform. As a young hatchling podcast, it means a lot to us if you rate, review, and subscribe to Monstrology on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever your monsters are found. Mm-hmm.